my goal is just to show that women are powerful and that women are just as forceful, if not more than men in a little bit more of a delicate way. Like we get stuff done. That's Empowered Elopements photographer Ruthann Zabogis, and this is the Wilder Mind Podcast. My mind grows wilder when I stoke that fire inside. Hear the call in the distance. It's a long road worth your while. Hey, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wilder Mind Podcast. I am your host, Cody Camerlin. So it's great to be back here with you all again, back in your feed, back with some wonderful and inspiring conversations to share. I am honored by the continual outpouring of support and encouragement from so many near and far. And I thank you for your loyalty and for sticking out this latest delay between episodes. Everything has been great, just a really packed life schedule. Increased demands on my corporate self. Yes, this is just a side project for now. Running, climbing, and trips both for the podcast and taking that all-important time to unplug. It's just been challenging to get through the post-editing process of these episodes. But here we are, complete with the promise of a more consistent schedule again. And before we jump into it, I want to take a moment to mention Alexis Tia, the amazing talent behind the Wilder Mind theme song. Check out her ecosystem at alexistia.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-S-T-I-A.com. Musician, photographer, and graphic designer. It was actually with Alexis and her friends that I first rope climbed in Joshua Tree National Park, which is now one of my favorite places to go plug gear and climb rocks. Yes, that all-important graduation from a boulderer to a rope climber, and I have Alexis to thank for that. So, let me introduce you to Ruth Ann, empowered elopements photographer. We met in Truckee some time before the podcast was even an idea. She, her husband Dimitri, and their doggo scout are neighbors of two of my dear friends, Sean and Danielle Cat, and their lovely fur family of Chloe, Maverick, and Reese's. She made such an impression upon me that, upon developing the first guest list for this podcast, I knew she had to be included. When you listen to Ruth Ann discuss her own elopement and what compelled her to step into this space, you'll hear the story of someone so unapologetically true to herself that you can't help but want the same for all. When you hear the passion behind her projects in women's empowerment and sustainable and eco-friendly practices within elopements, you'll want to know how you can get involved. In short, you're going to really enjoy the chance to get to know Ruth Ann. You know, when a wild idea in our minds aligns so beautifully with the fullness of our hearts, then we must do what it takes to give life to that idea. I once read a great line, Imagine that you already have what you want. Now, despite all sense of expectation, Ruthann went for what she wanted, and I am so excited for you to hear how that one choice impacted everything. And with that, join us on a cold spring day overlooking the beautiful Donner Lake. Blankets of snow still covering the mountainside with a light blue hue in the air reaching towards the depths of this expansive world 
now. Let's do the damn thing. Um, awesome. And I really would love to touch on like my look for the planet, as you can see. Well, kind of. My window has turned into my whiteboard. Oh, that's I love my, that. Those are my plans. So, um, yeah, that is my. <laughs> it's so bad. That's how my brain works. But it's also emblematic because you're looking out at what what mountain what like range is this? Uh, well, we can see over Lake Donner. Yeah, we're we're at Donner Lake, and that's like the. I don't know what that would actually be called. So we're looking at the hillside over yeah. Donner Lake, and there are your plans next to the map. I think it yeah. explains well who you are and what you're looking to do. Very well. Yeah. I mean, we can, whenever you, if you want to plug in, if it's better for you, then we can just kick off and start. Yeah. Like, there's Let's no, like, Aisley just kind of can jump in. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's been, an, I mean, yeah, it's 2 o'clock. It's been a great day. We Totally. Going about, sussing out missions. Let me see. You might need to be, like, uncomfortably, awkwardly close. Okay. Yeah, that's, eat the mic. Eat the mic. Eat the mic. Exactly. Oh yeah, I remember those days. Yep. Let me pull it even a little bit closer. Did you do you sing? You sing. I do. Yeah, that's primarily what I do. Do you have anything recorded? Um, from when I was like twelve, <laughs> not that not that young. Um, probably from when I was like I did this really cool version of Hallelujah when I was like sixteen. Oh. Yeah. Can you give me a little sampling of Ruth Ann singing? Um. Oh, totally I, put you I on the sing? spot. Um, oh gosh, this is the worst question. It's always like that. Uh, but if we get the worst one out of the way, then we're good to go from right, going out. Right. Okay. Um, it's my favorite song. If it's Taylor Swift, we're it's done. It's not Taylor okay. Swift. Okay. I was going to say, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Packing up, I'm gone. Yeah. Um, in my mind, I've gone to Carolina. That's all you get. <laughs> Holy crap. I was... I was going to take a drink of the coffee and then you started singing. I couldn't take a drink of the coffee. That's I, amazing. I love like, I guess, would be another song I would sing. Um, she's a good girl, loves her mama, loves Jesus, in America too. She's a good girl. Crazy about Elvis, loves horses, and a boyfriend too, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. That's what I'll do in my next life. I love it. Thank, Thank you. you. Got plenty of life left. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm only 23. Okay. Okay, let's, you've been rubbing that in quite a bit today. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cody. This is what I love about talking to such driven people. Is you, I, I keep finding that there are so many layers to people who are out chasing their dreams and their passions. Yeah. Um, it's not like there's one singular thing you're focused on. So I guess we could try to get to that, and then we could see what that branches yeah, out to. totally. So we were out um, hiking around Truckee and uh, Tahoe today because of what you do, which yes, is? which is um, I'm an intimate wedding and elopement photographer, which I'm starting to lean more towards just saying intimate wedding photographer because that is truly what I do. I like to create intimate spaces in beautiful places for people to commit their lives to each other. I love um, that. Yeah, so we were, <laughs> we got a lot of snow here, and <laughs> most of my, most of my places are pretty, pretty snowed in. So trying to find some, 
find some backups and yeah, we found some good ones. It's some pretty hard packed snow around here right now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, right there out my window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you're listening, it's like a it's a standard window at a yeah. standard height and there we're looking at snow outside the window right now. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. It's been cold. It's oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's still like I mean, there's still like we're pretty low in elevation and you go up and roads that I would typically be able to access by like May like next week, they're not going to be accessible until like July. <laughs> not looking so good. <laughs> At all. <laughs> but what a beautiful backdrop to it's be able amazing. to do this. And so, I mean, I think it's going to be a really great thing for listeners to hear yeah. what took you to this particular path. Because I, I think it's a great way you landed here. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a pretty... Uh, <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to get here. I didn't know that this is what I wanted to do. I didn't know that this was like my direction that I wanted to take in life, but um, I always knew that I loved people and I loved where I lived. And for me, when I graduated high school, I started getting into photography because it was something I always loved. And I just did anything and everything on the side while I was nannying and going to college and like, you know, just doing what you do. And I kept getting pushed towards weddings. And when I did weddings, I just like left feeling de- like honestly defeated like it wasn't it wasn't me it wasn't fun it wasn't I didn't feel like I was my best version there and so I had some weddings they ended up in some bad like experiences I didn't deliver the way that I should have or give the best client experience that I should have and so I took a complete step back and then I met the love of my life and we we decided that we wanted to be married and a year from our first date we stood on top of a mountain and committed our lives to each other and I was at a really like pivotal crossroad in my life at that point of like trying to figure out what direction I wanted to go what mattered to me um, the person I wanted to become and like all of these things that were really it's just lots of like life things and I was 21 like and I'm only 23 and like you know I just like my life is I've always just been that person that gets to these things a little bit sooner and um, I'm an old soul and all of that is just it just it was this pivotal moment so I stood on top of a mountain I married the love of my life and there were two things I got from that experience and the first one was that there was nobody in Tahoe that did what I wanted as a consumer as somebody who was getting married there was nobody that was there that was like able to serve me as the client mm-hmm. in the way that I wanted to be served. And so I, I observed that. And then at the end of my wedding, I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. Like this was the best experience ever. I don't regret a single thing. I don't feel like I missed out on anything. And when I got my wedding photos back exactly a month from, my, from our elopement, I cried and I looked at my husband and I was like, this is it, this is my thing. This is what I'm going to do. And four days later, I drove up to Oregon to shoot a wedding for a friend who was a former barista at my favorite coffee shop in town who like she really probably shouldn't have hired me. Like I didn't have any like (laughs) I didn't have any like back background in like doing this extensively. Like I kind of like, you know, the only reason like she ended up working with me is because we had a relationship where I saw her constantly at the coffee shop. And so we built this relationship. And so when it came time for her to get married, she was like, I'm going to reach out to this person because I know her. And like, that was it. And so I drove up to Oregon that same weekend that I got my wedding photos back and I shot this wedding and they went rock climbing at Smith Rock State Park and they got married. It, it was beautiful. It was a really smoky weekend, but they got married in this like lavender farm. 
And it was amazing. And it was so simplistically them. It was so, it, it, like they had their favorite people there. And it was not like a super tiny wedding, but it was their wedding. And it was the people that mattered who were there. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, this is what I want. Like, I want a mix of what I just did and what they just did. And I want to figure out how to bring the two together and make this acceptable. Like, I want people to be able to do this. So from there, I kind of just, uh, <laughs> it, it's spiraled. It's spiraled. I decide that I want to do something and I do it. And there is no stopping me. You better not get in my way. Um, and God bless the people who do. And <laughs> let's just like hope that you survive. But um, it was from then that I, you know, I'd, I'd been involved in photography in one way or another for six years. Um but it was like that that I was finally like, okay, I'm not on the sidelines anymore. I'm standing up and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it happen. And um, so I, from September of 2017 to like May of 2018, last May, I was able to book enough and, you know, really exert my knowledge of the area that I have and my passion for people and, in that, I've been able to go full-time, and as of June last year, that is when I went full-time, and so it took me from September to June, uh, like nine months, and I quit my job, and now this is what I get to do, and it's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I still, it blows my mind. I, it, it's great because we've had conversations about... Um, you know, also like the personality of the Enneagram and being yep. an eight. Yep. And you saw this as a space that wasn't fulfilled. Yeah. And as a challenger. Yeah. You're like, well, I can do this. Totally. And and give people something they can remember and something yeah. that's special and specific to them. Yep. Um, and I think that is one of the more beautiful things you can do for such a pivotal oh moment in their lives. Well, it's it there's so many like marriage is something that, especially like in America, I feel like we celebrate it, but we don't really celebrate it. Like we, like there's these expectations put on you that like you have to get married by a certain age or that if you're with somebody for a certain amount of time that you have to get married. But like the actual fulfillment of marriage is not really celebrated. Like we don't as a society encourage people to stay married or like work hard to stay married or build relationships that stay married, mm -hmm. which is like that can be like a pretty like controversial thing to say. And I've gotten in some, you know, tiffs with people over it. But as a young person who got married, I saw it. I had people telling me that I was signing my life away and I had no idea what I was getting into and that I was going to regret it in five years and all of this stuff. And I was like, imagine like for me, imagine what, what my marriage would look like if you rallied behind me and said like, you're doing something amazing. Let's get together. And like, how can I empower you? How can I make Absolutely. this easier? And like, We've talked a lot about empowerment today and that is, that's why I do what I do because spaces that are, you know, surrounded by empowerment are the spaces where people grow into their best selves. And if I can help create a space in, you know, the most important day of your life where not only do I empower you on that day, but like we create an experience that empowers you to do this, to adventure, to be inspired, to seek bigger, better things together for the rest of your life. Like, those are the people who move mountains. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Which is funny because 
your husband uh, does so much in the mountains. Yes, my <laughs> husband, as as my Mike is sitting on top of a stack of like six mountaineering books. <laughs> that is great. Uh, and there's like this is not the only six that we have in our house. Like there's probably another dozen. <laughs> that is the best thing. Like if if people could imagine like sitting at a home that overlooks like you know Lake Donner and there's a mountainside here and then. There are just mountaineering books and equipment all over the place and photography equipment. It is like the quintessential perfect, (laughs) like this is what you need to do in order to live here. This is your card. Totally, totally, (laughs) totally. Well, it's like people walk into our house and they're like, oh yeah, this is your house. (laughs) Like we can tell like there's maps of Tahoe and like, you know, there's just, it's, it's, it's a trucky house. But it it, it just speaks so well to the empowerment aspect of what you're doing for people. And I think it's really important for listeners to know that that don't know you or know your story or you know you personally that you come from a conservative family that empowered you to elope that right i think a lot of people would say probably you would expect that they would want a big family traditional wedding well i think that there was a little bit of mourning that did happen because i'm the oldest i'm the oldest of five i am the first grandchild on both sides to get married and that's normally yeah. such a thing to shoulder the expectation is this oh my big gosh. lavish wedding which and set the standard i i'll just tell my mom like blame me you had an eight i don't know what to tell you <laughs> <laughs> like you you put an expectation on me and i'm gonna go the 180 degree opposite yes. um <laughs> it's just that's just me but yeah you know i think there was a little bit of it, it was a difficult thing to navigate in the beginning because my husband comes from the South. He was born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, grew up, you know, in Jackson, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, he spent some time in New Orleans, spent some time in New Mexico. But for the most part, like, he grew up in the South. And that's a different world. Like, I'm mm-hmm. born and raised California girl through and through. Like, I'm used to, you know, a society that pushes expectations and boundaries and, you know, eats avocado on everything. <laughs> but, like... Like, that's like, that's what I come from. But he came from this world where, like, my sister-in-law had a giant 400-person wedding. Wow. And and that was like, uh, there was this, it was this very interesting thing because, again, we got married one year after our first date. We didn't start date. So we got, we went on our first date in August of 2016. And we didn't actually officially start dating until October. So, like we moved very quickly. Like it was like, I found my person. There's no time to wait around. Like, let's just do this. So we were still in that like getting to know you phase when we decided that we wanted to get married. Like when it was a conversation, like there was still, there there was a lot of anxiety from both of us. I think like my husband, when we first started talking about it, he was like, it's going to be like three years because we've got to save to have a wedding. We can't expect our parents to do this. Like, we're going to have to save to have a wedding. And I remember just sitting there sobbing and looking at him and being like, but I don't want a wedding. I don't care. Like, I just want to be married to you. Yeah. And and it was this, like, shift that we had to, like, find. Because I, there is that expectation, I think, you know, to some degree. I don't know if anybody would necessarily admit to it. But to some degree, like, we did – there was some sort of expectation that I would have a wedding. Um from whoever it was. I don't know who would actually like claim that and own that, but there was expectation. And from where he comes from, like you don't do anything but have a giant all out wedding that is insane. Mm -hmm. There is no alternative. And so when we were like, you know, really the reason that we chose the date that we chose and that it happened as quickly as it did as well was because my brother joined the Marines and my brother's one of my best friends. Like you know, like we're two and a half years apart. Like we grew up in those woods 
getting into all kinds of trouble and like that was like my best friend and so there was no like I couldn't ha- not have him there yeah totally. and he shipped out August 27th we got married August 11th wow and so like we moved so quickly and like there were all of these things that happened that we just kind of looked at our families and we're like this is what we're doing and we would like you to be there but you know this is it and that's we're, we don't want any excess like um we just we just don't want the extra and I think from both sides there was a little bit like I think my mom was sad that she didn't get to like go dress shopping with me because I bought my dress online for $85 (laughs) and that was like (laughs) that was that was all I cared about yeah and I think like my mother-in-law also you know felt some things towards that as well of like there was this like we didn't have like a first dance we didn't have a cake we didn't have like I had a pancake cake because I got married in the morning <laughs> so that's, so that's, cool. <laughs> that's what I did instead but like we didn't have all of these traditions that you know the generation of our parents mm-hmm. kind of expected and so you know for me like breaking that personally I just felt so connected to all these couples who were not feeling empowered like we had our families behind us like in spite of the fact that they were mourning it a little bit and that there was some sort of like disconnect there Mm -hmm. they still wanted us to do it because they knew that it suited us like yeah like you said like you look at our house and it's very evident that we live here like my mother-in-law was not surprised even if it wasn't what she expected certainly um so to be able to kind of like take that and like use that like we've been talking about to give that to other people and say like hey I get it like I've been there I know what it feels like to tell your family that you don't want to do what they expected you to do your entire life absolutely it's a big thing and that's what I love about what it is that you're doing is you are empowering people to say this is what who we are yeah and you put it so well when you told you know when you said Dimitri I want to marry you I don't want a wedding like that's that's what we're getting is we're yeah. we're marrying our best friend yeah and then our family is expanding and mm-hmm. our parents are getting more people in their family and vice versa yeah and we've had so much focus on you said it so well the dress shopping and cutting the cake and the first dance when yep. the focus should be that for the rest of all of our lives we've expanded our family yep. and for the parents your kids are with the person they're meant to be with that will make them totally. better and make them whole. And so when you start your life with an elopement, with something beautiful like this, now you are empowered, like we've chatted yeah. about, to see it as this big adventure. Well, you yeah. know, well, you have a couple coming from Ohio, right? Or uh, Oklahoma. Yes. I mean, all of the above. But yeah. my yeah. one of my next elopements is Oklahoma, and um, they're so excited to be here. I have to imagine they'll probably not have seen stuff like this yeah. very often, if at all. And no. what a way to start their lives together, right? Totally. Well, and it's interesting because a lot of my couples come from places like that. Like a lot of my couples come from like Indiana, Ohio, Oklahoma, Texas, and Florida. And like that's where like I see, like those are probably the top five states of my my clients. And every single one of them, like they always tell me like, we don't have what you have yeah. and we want what you have. And like we want to be there. So like that's why they... That I mean, there is something to be said for, for like them to find somebody that's got this perspective on this place because I've lived here my entire life. It's magical for them, because while I'm just doing what I know how to do, they're seeing the whole, the whole world differently for the first time. There's nothing quite like seeing something beautiful for the very first time. A mountain scene, the ocean, the person we can't wait to fall in love with. Ruthann and I talked about that to a great extent during our day together. 
This is a huge part of why she puts so much time and effort into finding these remote locations for her couples. I can tell you for damn certain that some of these places are well hidden and hard to find and get to. This gift of a scene so new and intimate for her couples really means a great deal to her. I truly admire her for it and love the emotion behind not just seeing something beautiful for the first time, but maybe even seeing someone beautiful for the first time again in a whole new way. When we just like hiked up to that, um, you know, that overlook that we were just on, like, and I was like, just wait. And like that, that point where you were like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And I was like, just wait. And like, we got up a little bit higher and it's like the whole lake. That was amazing. I live for those reactions. <laughs> I live for the reveal. I live for those. Like it's it, it, like I get a surge of endorphins that I'm just like, yes, like this is what I want you to remember about your day that you were standing here at this moment with the love of your life on top of a literal mountain. Cause that's the other thing. Like, gosh, marriage is hard. And like I say that it's not it's like it's hard when you're married to your best friend I can't imagine how hard it is if you're not yeah but seriously. like marriage is hard enough as it is but like you've climbed mountains you've done Mount Whitney you know what those 99 switchbacks feel like oh yeah like <laughs> it's, it's, a slog. <laughs> it's a slog and then you know you got that last 1000 feet that you're just like I want to fall over yeah you don't want to do it you don't want to do it <laughs> and I think it's so like we climbed Mount Whitney like four weeks after we got married and it, we had like two days notice. My friend was not able to make her permit. Permits were like, you know, she was like, does anybody want this? And like, we were like, we'll drive down and, you know, pick it up as you cancel it. And so like we did Mount Whitney and like, it was one of the best things we did together because we climbed a literal mountain and we literally went through the valley and we literally went through these switchbacks and we literally had to climb those last thousand feet. And I took a nap on the summit and I was so sick and I was miserable, but I was on top of the world with my husband yeah. and it was amazing. And so that's like this metaphor that I want to pass on to people of like, no matter what, like life's going to have 99 switchbacks. <laughs> Yes, it will. You're going to yeah. go through phases where you're At like, is least. this ever going to end? <laughs> yeah. um, but there's something so beautiful about being able to look back on your day and being like, we went through all of that on this day. It, it's, represent it's representative of who we are and what Absolutely. we're going to continue to conquer. Yeah. So. Oh, I yeah. love that. You know, and then um, <laughs> I hope that makes it through. If, if it makes it through the recording, um, our friend Danielle, who I'm... Uh, also here to see um she has a book club upstairs <laughs> and like most book clubs they're not there to read a book no they're, they're drinking eating and eating and we can now hear them i think dancing <laughs> I <don't laughs> laughing. Know. something like that if that comes in the recording i'll be very happy <laughs> excuse me sorry and then you know i think that you're also um you know, we're, we're both obviously very outdoorsy people yeah and we are such fighters for the environment we're looking right now at your water bottle with a, a protect our winter sticker on it your totally. car Dimitri's truck has yeah. it um what the elopement scene does for sustainability yeah and oh I gosh. have to say you taught me a lot today and I loved I, the facts you dropped on me blew my mind I'm beaming so big right now because this is my favorite thing to talk about <laughs> let's chat about that <laughs> so Okay, so when I eloped, I was very naive about the wedding industry. Like I said, I'd shot a few weddings. I didn't like them. I walked away from them feeling pretty yucky. Just didn't sit right with me. But most of that was partially due to the fact that like people were spending money that they didn't have and like all of this. There's other waste elements of it. And then about nine months ago, I, I went to a wedding and I 
remember leaving and looking at Demetri and being like, I cannot believe all of the stuff. I was like, I wonder how much waste one single wedding produces. So I get on Google and there's not a lot of information about this. There's been one, there's been one or two studies done in the last, the numbers that I'm quoting are from an article, I think from Huffington Post from like two or three years ago. But on average, a 120 person wedding produces 600 pounds of trash. And they estimate between 400 and 600. I'm going to say 600 because there's a lot of people like specifically in the Midwest and South that don't understand like paper plates and styrofoam and like these things never die. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the paper does if it's not coated in too much wax. But like, I, I read that statistic and I was just like, holy cow, like this is insane. Like that's a lot of waste. Way too much. It's way too much. And so for me, like knowing that like, okay, we eloped and we were empowered to elope but like how every other person I talked to when I started getting into only photographing elopements and intimate weddings and I say intimate weddings is like people like under 40 people when I started getting into that and telling people what I would do you know I travel a lot last year I flew 50,000 miles and I would sit next to people on airplanes and they'd be like so what are you doing where are you going like blah 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 and I'd say oh you know like I'm going to shoot this elopement or I'm going to shoot this wedding and this is what I do. And inevitably you end up in your life story or your business story or whatever. And they, all the time, people would say, I wish we eloped. I wish we eloped. I wish we eloped. And I'm not talking about people my age. I am talking about people 60 to 25, like the entire spectrum. Every single person I talked to in some way or another looked at that longingly and said, I wish we had done something closer to that than what we actually did. Or I'd meet somebody who eloped and said, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're championing this because more people should know how wonderful it is. So I started like getting all this like information from people like I wish we had eloped and all these people, it was resonating with people and I was like, why aren't we doing this? And so then I started going down this path of like, we're not empowering all of this stuff. But then I was like, what is the number of people who actually want to elope? Mm -hmm. So I did a survey I've gathered some numbers. This is so preliminary. Like, this is not Stanford. I am not Berkeley. Like, I don't got any. Like, I might live close to Silicon Valley, but I'm not as smart as those people. Um, I took a survey, though, and out of the 600 people that responded, 200 of them were married, 400, or 400 of them were married, 200 of them were unmarried. And out of those 600 people, one in six wanted to elope or wish that they had eloped. So I took that statistic and I was like, okay, one in six, that seems on par with the number of people that I talk to who have been married and also say to me that they wish they would elope. Um, So I took that number and I went online. On average, America sees 2.3 million weddings annually. One in six of those weddings are people who would like to elope or wish that they had eloped or did elope. That comes out to 138,000 people. Of those 138,000 people, if we empowered every single one of them to elope, that's 82 million pounds of trash that will never see the ocean, that will never see a landfill. Incredible. It's insane. And so, like, it's it's a small thing, but for me, like, I look at that number and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> simply, simply, I say in quotation, simply by empowering people to do what they want to do and what suits them best and what speaks to their souls the most – we can have a profound impact on a very large problem, a very big issue that like, you don't even want to know the number of tra- the, the number of pounds of trash from the people who don't elope from the weddings that do happen. Like it's Certainly. astronomical. Um, so 
I've kind of taken that as my <laughs> as my torch to carry to shine a light on the wedding industry and say we don't need this, especially if you don't want it. Like there's no need to go into debt. Exactly right. Like no, there's no need to go into debt. There's no need to have all this excess stress. Like I always say like elopements are for the people who don't want the excess. You don't want the excess stress, waste, or debt. You don't need any of that. And if you don't need any of that, elope or have an intimate wedding or travel to Greece and get married in Santorini. I don't give a crap what you do. Exactly. Just do what you want. Do what you want and, and, and be mindful of this statistic. And I love that you're lighting that torch. I will do everything I can Thank to you. help hold that up as well yeah. because it's so... Imagine how many people spend all this stressful time plan their wedding versus the enjoyable time oh planning gosh. their honeymoon. Totally. How about those kind of look the same? You plan your elopement. How fun is that? You're planning an outdoor adventure. Yep. And then your honeymoon can take place in the same place. Yep. Be a lot cheaper or continue on this yeah. amazing journey you started. Well, and that's the thing is like sometimes people will come at me and they'll be like, but what about the emissions from airplanes? What about the emissions from air travel? And so I'm like, okay, sure. Like we could go down that road. If you're getting married, like if most people don't live where they were born anymore, like that's not really common. Yeah, this is true, yeah. I'm like a rarity and I know that. But most people, like when you get married, there's at least 10 people who are flying or driving mm -hmm. to you a long distance. Very, very true. Like two people to get on an airplane to go to Europe for their honeymoon and elopement versus let's say 10 to 30 to maybe 50 people mm -hmm. getting on an airplane to come to your wedding across the country. Exactly. Which one is better for the environment? The two people going to Europe. Like, Absolutely. So, uh, and, and my thing about this is like, I never want to come off as like, I don't believe in weddings. Like that's not like, I can't change people's opinions on that. There are so many people who have invested their whole lives into having a wedding and that's great. If that's what's going to make you happy, go for it. I'm not here to stop you. I don't want to, I don't want to like intervene in that way. But if you feel any sort of like discontentment with the process, like I'm in so many Facebook groups about weddings. Oh my gosh. The drama <laughs> that goes down. I'm just like, why don't you just elope? You sound like this is miserable. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? So if we could just, you know, it's, it's not about hating on weddings. I think weddings are beautiful and that they're the right kind of people can have an amazing large wedding and it can be all about them and they will remember the whole day. But if you don't want that, like you shouldn't have to want that. And I love that the empowerment aspect because I know a handful of people right now who are planning weddings right. and, and it follows what you found out of those. I would say I can think of two that would prefer to elope, but right. they have religious reasons why they can't. And then there is one in particular that is, it's, it's thinking going that route very yeah. heavily. And a lot of it has to do with these kinds of things. It's going to be less stressful. Yeah beautiful location, beautiful thing just for them. They're outdoorsy people. This is what they want. And if I threw this trash statistic at them, bam, they'd be done. Perfect. Do it. I'm definitely <laughs> going to do it. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing too, is I think, you know, our generation of people, you know, people from the age of like 21 to 35, we are sick of adhering to expectations. Yes. We're sick. Even if we don't know how to verbalize it, even if there are people out there who don't know how to say it, we're sick of it. Like, what is the American dream? Why do I have to buy a house? Why do I have to have two kids? Yeah, whose dream is that anyways? Right, where did that come from? Like, we're, we're over it. And so for the first time in history, like, you look at this generation, we are buying houses less than anybody else ever in history. And the reason for that is because we want to see the world. So let's unpack that just a bit here. 
According to a report published by the Urban Institute on July 11th of 2018, when compared to the prior two generations, the X's and the baby boomers, this is true. Let's lay a bit of framework. Millennials cover a wide swath of folks born between 1981 and 1997, and with 75 million strong are the largest generation. Next up, the Gen Xers, born between 1965 and 1980 with 66 million. They are the smallest generation in this group. Behind them are the Baby Boomers, born between 1946 and 1964, just behind the Millennials in terms of population with 74 million. When it comes to current housing ownership of total population by generation, Millennials, Gen Xers, and Baby Boomers were looking at 32.2%, 60.4%, and 75% respectively. The main drivers concluded for the disparity between Millennials and all others are delayed marriage, increased racial diversity, high levels of education debt, and gravitating towards high-cost city centers for jobs and living. And for increased racial diversity, for me, that was kind of a confusing reason just as it was stated. So behind that is that non-Hispanic white households have higher home ownership rates, and millennials are increasingly diverse. So that's what backs that up. And last, I'd like to note that the Urban Institute did not publish their testing control data for this report, or maybe I just couldn't find it, so I'm not able to determine if these were amongst the only options to choose as reasons for not purchasing a home, or if it was an open-ended question. Still, it's intriguing data nonetheless. We spend money on adventure. We spend money on traveling. We spend money on good food. We're not caught up in this place that we live. Like I would live in this apartment until the day I die if it meant that I could see the world forever and ever. Heck yeah. That's so much more important to me. And so you you tap into that too with these, like so many of my couples are in their mid thirties and they've got these corporate jobs and they, they're like, we just, we just want more. We don't want more of the same. We want more. And that's how they end up in Tahoe eloping. Or that's how we end up in Oregon, getting them married under a waterfall or like next two weeks from now, I'm going up to Seattle and we're going to do an elopement up there. And like, there's all these people who are just like, we want more. We don't want more of the same. We want more than what we have right now. And I really think, like I've said it so many times, and I feel like I beat a dead horse with it, but empowerment breeds empowerment. And I will argue that till the day I die. If you can empower people to be who they want to be and to do what they want to do, they're going to pass that along. And we would see a massive change in who we are as people in the society. Like... And I would build on that and say, not only will we, would we see it, but we are seeing it. Yeah. I ran into somebody at the Truckee Tavern last night yep. um, named Valerie that was so excited that I was talking to you because she is part of a whole nother thing that you started <laughs> in your 23 years on this planet um, based on empowerment of women. And yep. um, I probably should now let you explain more about what that is because I'm going to butcher it. Uh, so <laughs> the beginning of the year, I like being a female entrepreneur is this very interesting paradox where 
you feel like a badass like 75% of the time and then the other 25% of the time you're really confused and anxious about all the judgment that's being passed on you and the lack of understanding and what will people think am I not again going back to expectations of like am I not meeting what people are expecting of me and so for me like I was born and raised in this community and I love it so much but like I really struggle to connect with people who do what I do and not exactly what I do, but other women who are excited about changing the world and who are excited about leaving their mark on it. And really like it all started from a Facebook post in our local group for the town where I was like, is there anybody out there who's self-employed who would be down to be my 2 PM hike buddy? Because I don't have anybody who understands that I can't like, I need, I need a midday break. Like that's, that's like my schedule is not like everybody else's. Yeah. Like, is somebody down to go skiing until noon? Like, you know, like I really just needed a friend like that. So at the beginning of the year, I made this post and I'm not kidding you, Cody. There were 45 women within like two hours who jumped on that of like, let me know if you find somebody, let me know if you find somebody. And I, I was like, okay, we're doing this. So I literally within probably an hour of getting responses, I went on Facebook and I made this group and it's called female entrepreneurs of Trekkie Tahoe. And within a month, we had 200 members. Jeez. And <laughs> the first meeting that we hosted had over 30 women show up. And they were, I've, you've never seen energy like that. At, like, I've never seen energy like this. These women were not catty. They were not petty. There was nobody there out to get anybody. And women have this, like, notorious, like, bad rap for being, like, mean girls, right? Where it's like, we don't know how to get along and all this stuff. There but, are like, movies about it. I just wish we could all get along like we used to in middle school. I wish that I could bake a cake made out of rainbows and smiles and we'd all eat and be happy. She doesn't even go here! Do you even go to this school? No. I just have a lot of feelings. Okay, go home. Right, exactly. And it's this, like, really yucky ugly stereotype that's put on us that makes it really uncomfortable sometimes to go out and meet other women because you have this expectation and you know that you're not like that but what if they're not not like that yeah you know (laughs) so to see all these women come together for this thing that was so necessary and so needed and that we like it, it it was amazing it was so incredible and so um one of my girlfriends and I I had actually really just recently met her too and I was like hey you want to be co-admin with me and brought her in and so we now have 250 60 members um it's been four months we have meetings once a month and we just get together and our goal is again to empower people like last meeting I had somebody be like so what's your plan with all of this and my goal is just to show that women are powerful and that women are just as forceful if not more than men in a little bit more of a delicate way like we get stuff done and and it's been amazing to see all these women come together and be so excited to meet and connect and build relationships that like they're hiring each other. They're hiring each other to do business with each other. And we didn't know that this other person existed up until four months ago. Amazing. And now there are these, there's these women who are building relationships that would have never existed otherwise. And it's, if I can just create this space and step away, I'm happy with that. I would love to, you know, continue to champion it and whatever. I don't know what capacity I can be involved forever, but just to create a conversation to say that we can be friends 
and we can change the world too. And and that we we've talked about that quite a bit today. Just the power of conversation, of not being scared to knock on our neighbor's door and say, right. "Can you come out and play?" Totally, it's huge. And and like you said, you would not know that the neighbor down the road is working in this space that you may need help with. Yeah, had you not just created that spot where you could all Absolutely. go and talk openly and freely and about probably really anything, right? Well, absolutely. And that's the other thing is I think like as entrepreneurs, like we spend so much of our days in our head thinking about business and like (laughs) development, all this stuff. And like, like, I don't know what it's like inside of a dude's head, but I know what it's like inside of mine and it's exhausting. And so it's really nice to like, it's hard sometimes. Like some of my friends who aren't entrepreneurs will be like, so like, how are things going in your business? And for me, like, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like I'm done. (laughs) And so it's so nice to have these other women who we can have small talk, which usually I hate, (laughs) but these other women who are like, we just need company and we need somebody to connect with and build a relationship with that doesn't necessarily, like our connection is our business because that's this, that's, that's what got us into this group. But the relationship doesn't have to be built off of that. Exactly. And so we're building relationships off of our love of hiking or our love of rock climbing or our love of not skiing because there are women (laughs) who live here and don't love to ski. And so like, I think Danny found somebody that like was like, yeah, I don't like skiing either. And she was like, ah, soulmate because that's so uncommon here, but just having opening the, the conversation to, you know, bring these women together and for us all to, know what the other person does and like honestly there's so much power in just recommending a woman for a referral that you might not have known about before and so now that I I have 250 women who are in 250 different industries not really but like 250 different businesses yeah that I can recommend over a man in order to help bridge that gap too because not to bring it to that but like being a woman in today's society, it still has its challenges and we're still not taking it seriously as we should be. And so having this like directory of women that I can be like, oh, you need a graphic designer? I got one. And Mm -hmm. she's amazing. And she's local. And she's local. Yes. Yes. So it's been the coolest thing. And I'm so excited for what it's going to do and the relationships that have come from it and just the growth that I've been able to have through that. And like it's, it's allowed a space to... Um, you know, even for me to just kind of share some of the things that I'm passionate about in business, because I love photography, but I love business more and I love people more than that. But like the business is like the middle ground. And so being able to share about the things that I wish I had known. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's amazing. You're creating like this, this beautiful knowledge base of people that want to share it and share it freely with others. And now I have this image in my mind because we talked about just different city stuff today and, you know, local to Truckee. At the next council meeting, 250 women strong right. come in, right? Yeah. Hands folded over, like, we're, yeah. we're here to take care of business. And that's <laughs> and that's what I want, because, like, you know, for those of you listening, like, Truckee, California, Google it. Um, it is a small little town in the heart of the Sierra. Um, we're about 15 minutes away from Lake Tahoe, and we only exist because of the railroad. Like, that's it. Coburn Station, which is the original name of Truckee, did in fact develop as a railroad town with beginnings along the Transcontinental Railroad. As such, the town is rich with history. For a delicious stop along that historical pathway, check out Cottonwood Restaurant and Bar, 
the location of reportedly one of the nation's first mechanized ski lifts. I've actually sampled their food and drink menu. It's worthy of note, for sure. And in a bit of grim history, you've heard Ruth Ann and I mention Donner Lake on several occasions. It was here at the water's edge in 1846 where so many of the infamous Donner Party met their not-so-delicious demise. Grim. Very grim. When we were incorporated in the 90s, they put in some like laws and restrictions that they kind of laughed at. That they were like, we're never going to need this, but I guess like we should do it to be safe. And now between the week of Christmas and New Year's, we see a million people come through. That's a lot of people. Uh, especially if you've seen trucking. Yeah, that's if a you've lot spent any people. time in the Tahoe Basin, like, you know, like, we wow. don't have space for it no. like, at all. So you, you've you got this development where this town is so amazing. And I was telling you earlier that it's this, like, little gem and it's kind of ours and it's secret and it's hidden and we love it. But there's all this growth happening and there's all of these town council meetings for things <laughs> that we're all sitting here going, why are you bringing that in? There was a coffee shop that was supposed to go down here that didn't get approved because the town said that they needed a certain number of parking spaces and knew that they weren't going to be able to get those get that number of parking spaces. No way, not no, not here. No, no way. No way. <laughs> no. And the town refused to approve it like which like I I see both sides of it, but instead of the town saying it's just not going to happen, here's the reasons, they made this family go on a wild goose chase to try and figure out how they're going to do parking spaces and they spent their life savings on it and so like imagine if you've got a whole bunch of angry women who come into that (laughs) town council meeting and who say could you just shoot us straight not beat around the bush here like that's like my favorite like after I saw that I was like oh I cannot wait to go to the next one and be like all right don't play us like just be honest oh they've been warned now (laughs) yeah town of Truckee we're coming for you (laughs) I love that I do love my town. I love it. But there are challenges that we face, for you, sure. You clearly love it. It's fun to hear, you know, you've, you've shared a lot of history with me. And then um, Lauren, I think, was her name that we met on that Overlook. Was it Lauren? I'm bad with Lindsay. Names. Lindsay. Yeah. Lindsay that we met on the yeah, Overlook. Yeah. Picking your brain. And yeah. the best part was, you said, oh, well, just give me a DM and I'll tell you anything you want totally. to know. You know, there, there's this element of this area that, like, I was sharing you with, you with you this morning. It's so special to me. And it is this, like, secret, hidden place that I feel like is sacred and it's not mine to keep it's not mine to hold hostage it's not mine to never share with the world will I judge you to see like upon first impression if I think you're trustworthy to not leave like your Fritos bag Mm -hmm. on the trail probably but like I I like this place should be seen it should be discovered it should be loved and cherished and treasured and there should be so many wonderful little stories that live within the nooks and crannies of these mountains because that's what they were created for like I just I think about all of the people who have driven along I-80 which we can see from my house right now (laughs) and have never stopped here and have never known the magic and and that breaks my heart too so there's this fine line but of you know wanting to make sure that people see it and respect it and enjoy it because it, it, it is, it's changed my life, and I can't imagine the way that it would change somebody who's never seen something like this before. And I think respect, it has so much to do with it, because there are spots that we looked at today where you know you were even vocalizing. I'm not sure which couple can make it up there. And some of these, you know, I question that as well. Like, right. you're going to go up some talus logs. You might totally. have to do some, like, some fourth-class scrambling. 
And if you just tag those areas and people think they can get up there, and sure, maybe they can. Right. But if they've not earned those skills, they might not have that respect for nature. Oh my gosh. So they're going to leave a water bottle. They're going to leave wrappers. We, how much crap did we see mm. just on the, the little bits we were doing? And how much junk did we pick up that people walk right past yeah. all the time? So many before us walked right past. Well, right? and I was telling you that last week I picked up an entire like you know those target bags that are like really thick plastic now in california they're like yeah they're like a little bit bigger than like the old yeah grocery bags i filled an entire one of those with silk rose petals that were like scattered all over donner lake shore and i cried i literally like i wept and then i was like angry and i was like how dare people treat this this way because it's so special absolutely and i filled in they were pink and they were never going to biodegrade like they were it was awful and i just like i picked them up and i just thought to myself like this is this is like why why does this exist and how can we how can we how can we make a mindset shift that you know kind of surges through people that people see like that that's not okay. Like I can't tell you how many people who are cigarette butts out the window and I like yell at them. Like you're going to light my house on fire. Exactly. Well, you know, and and thank you for picking those up. And anyone, if maybe the person who left them is listening or maybe someone who's done that, this was your chance. Like someone's come and clean your mess up. Don't do it again. Totally. Oh my gosh. And it, it, that again, on the respected aspect of it, like I always liken it to like, would you be stoked if a bear broke into your house, opened your fridge, pulled, like emptied all of your cupboards, ate everything, and then just left the mess for you to deal with? And people are always like, no, that's miserable. Like I'd be so pissed. And I'm like, that's what it's like when people come to my house, my home, Mm -hmm. not my actual four square walls, but my home and don't respect it is somebody lives here at the end of the day. And I think that's something that, you know, I love, I know you, you know, you had an interview with Abby Hearn of the Hearns photography and you guys talked a lot about leave no trace and she's super passionate about this too. But it, I love the education that is coming out around this where, you know, we're finally starting to talk about this. Like you can't just throw your kid's diaper out the window. No, no. Oh no. Absolutely People do that. not. Jeez. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but like, you you see all of this and you're like okay so how can we, how can we educate and it's really cool to see this movement amongst people yeah. like you and I who give a shit exactly and are like let's let's fix this can I cuss oh yeah of course okay you can. cool I have I been mean. like real real <laughs> raining it in <laughs> that's great shoot heck darn <laughs> shoot. <laughs> It's like when you like are around a kid and you catch yourself, you're like, uh, shoot. Oh, yeah. Okay, if you have kids, like, if they're listening, cover their ears now. I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. When my niece was young, I accidentally made the comment, oh, yeah, when I believed in Santa Claus, and everyone's eyes were like, what have you done? What have you done, Thankfully, as every young kid, she was not listening to anything. Like, oh, no, oh, no. (laughs) You're like, I have committed the sin of all sins of an adult. (laughs) It was worse than dropping F-bombs around her, shattering her world. Oh, my gosh, Uh, that's so funny. But And I I love the, um, you know, along that conversation, we talked about the power, like technology, um, it... It is what you make of it, and it totally. can be used for good. And, you know, there is a lot of, um, no matter what you do, there's going to be critics. And sure, oh, yeah. like going out there and saying, okay, I'm going to shoot this beautiful location. I'm going to geotag it, but people can figure out where it is and follow. 
that's just what's going to, they're going to find it anyways. Totally. But we can use it to also manage people's expectations and how they act in public when they go to these places. Absolutely. If you want to get this shot, and if you want me to come with you, don't bring a bunch of crap with you you're going to leave behind. Nope. And if you see something, you damn well better pick it up and put Absolutely. it in your bag. Absolutely. And we can help. And I love that we're bridging that gap in social media to start fighting back and saying, you know what? If you like to recreate outdoors too, you have to do it the right way. Or if you want to get out there, do it the right way. This is not your dumpster. Oh my gosh. You, you know, I think about when the national parks were closed and you know, specifically Yosemite just cause that's what's close to me. And like, I, I have not spent like national parks are one of those hard things for me because I personally, the model of ma- national parks doesn't really make sense to me because you cannot I think Yosemite sees like six mil, seven million people a year, if not more. Um, and you can't put 6 million people through a Valley and expect to never see any sort of destruction there. Yeah. And so it's a really difficult thing for me to wrap my brain around, but what's even harder for me to wrap my brain around is the fact that, people drive through that and don't connect the dots that like their granola bar wrapper does not belong on the floor of that valley. Like that one of these things is not like the other, like why it's so fascinating to me. And so I, while I struggle with the concept and the execution of national parks, I do love that it gives people this insight that even if they're the kind of people who've left that granola bar wrapper, that maybe the next time they hear somebody like me or somebody like you talking about it and we say like, hey, like that didn't belong there. That was never meant to live there. Like that was meant to go in the garbage, which is a whole other conversation. But (laughs) the fact that like, you know, maybe that opens up a conversation to be like kindly correct them and say like, Maybe next time, take an evaluation of your scenery (laughs) and don't just let this be. Yeah. We need a Smokey the Bear style character to educate our youth about trash. Perhaps there is one. Does anyone know? Maybe you're a teacher or a parent or maybe you are that character. If you are, let me know. Well, there was Gary the No Trash Cougar, but I don't think he was all that effective. I said I want to know whose cup this is. Pick it up. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Thank you, sweetie. See what a nicer place this is when we all pitch in. Like Gary the No Trash Cougar says, give a lobbage, throw out your garbage. Spread the word. Or appropriate. Or maybe too effective? (sighs) I don't know. And hey, do you know who else loves Mother Earth? My dear friend Danica of Finletter Creative, the wildly genius creative behind all of the podcast branding and so much more. Check her out on Instagram at Finletter Creative, her website of the same name, and please do yourself a huge favor and go through her Gaijin Merit badges. They're wonderful and so fully her. You know, and full circle with the wedding conversation. Like you said, we're not, you know, you're not dogging on weddings and you're not anti-wedding. But if people are armed with the knowledge that for every 120 people, 600 pounds of trash on average, Mm -hmm. if you can, if you still want to have your wedding, try to reduce that amount of trash. Oh my gosh. What things do you give away at the wedding that you just don't need there? And what what things that aren't reusable, aren't sustainable, can you get rid of and reduce that footprint Absolutely. down as much as possible to the bare minimum? Because we all create trash. 
but it's, try to choose wisely what you stock your wedding with, I guess, is for the lack of a better term. Absolutely. And that's something I'm working on a project right now, and I've briefly alluded to it with you. But my my heart is to, like you said, I don't want to stop weddings. I'm not like <laughs> trying to be like wedding crasher Hulk style, you know, like that's not the goal here. The goal is simply just to educate people. And so on that note, like things that you can eliminate, like buy a used dress. Dresses are made to order. Yeah, Dresses yeah. are not one of those things that like you, like you can buy them off the rack for sure. But like for the most part, the designer hand makes it. So if you can go and you can go online, like poshmark.com or, you know, there's all these different websites that you can utilize, find a used dress and have it tailored to you. That is one way to cut down on waste. That's a lot of like reduction. That's a ton. It's a, it's a lot. Um, and you're saving money. Like Tons that's another money. thing. Have like <laughs> wedding dresses are anywhere from like $500 to like seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000. And I can't fathom that. But like if you can get the same dress, like go like, and you have it be used, like do it. Yeah. Um, as far as wedding favors go, like give away like seeds or, you know, give away like a reusable cup. I know Sean and Danielle's wedding, like they gave away mugs. I still use mine. And and it's a, <laughs> like, that's an amazing gift. If that's something like if you can pass something along and, and then it's something that you can use at the wedding too. And by having a mug or, a, you know, a tin cup with like, you know, your wedding logo put on it, that's something that you can use in lieu of plastic glasses or in lieu yes. of, you know, all of the glassware, like, the other thing that people don't think about is just by getting another a new glass every single time, the amount of water that you have to use to wash all of those at the end of the yes, night. Yes, exactly right. I think it's like three or four glasses per person at a wedding, like if you don't reuse them, depending on like the bar status. I mean, think about people who have like eight drinks at a wedding. Sure, you keep going back for a drink and get an, another glass. You get a new yeah. glass. You wow. get a new glass. And that's partially due to health code, so I get sure, that. Yeah. But, but there's this, like that's a lot of water. That's eight glasses per person. You've got 120 people at that wedding. That's a lot yeah, of dishwashing. That's a ton of so there's dishwashing. lots of different things that you can do to just kind of cut down. You can buy like sustainable, like if you're doing like a potluck style thing, you can buy sustainable paper plates and like wooden, um, you know, cutlery. You can use like a, I think a fantastic favor for weddings right now is stainless steel straws. I think that yes. is a fantastic favor to give everybody like a set of three straws because, I mean, that is one way right there that you were giving 120 people the opportunity to make a better environmental choice. And now you're empowering them to and, educate and yep. show other people. And and with that, you know, if if you're not really comfortable nixing the whole wedding, you use that, like you said, to empower people. So maybe you've got like, you know, a little piece of paper that kind of educates people on like why this is something that's important to you. Another thing that I've seen people do is in lieu of wedding gifts, like most people live together at this point. Most people have homes together. They've collected everything that they need. Like, ask people to donate to a cause that's important to you. Yes, like, absolutely. People say, like, this is important, and this is something that we would like to start off our life, like, with some good karma. Yes. <laughs> and would you please, you know, consider, in lieu of a gift, donating to this foundation for us? And there's lots of different things that you can you can do with that. Um, but really weddings don't have to you can have a traditional wedding and still be sustainable in it shift the expectations shift the paradigm and empower people to make choices that make sense to them so whether or not that's an elopement if it is right contact with Anne. if it's not <laughs> you know check out ways to make a sustainable eco-friendly uh, wedding and yeah. uh, it's so easy to do and it's a way better thing to pour all of that hard-earned money totally. into um, to create something yeah you know, well, and the other thing that I think really, it's, it's kind of a, 
dicey thing to start talking about, you know, with people because there's a lot of opinions on this. But your guest list is another thing that like you can have a traditional wedding of 80 people and have it be the people that you love most. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I 120 people, that's a lot of people. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. Like and on average, I think the average wedding is like 150 to 170. So like that's a lot of people. So my, the other thing about this is again, going back to that whole empowerment factor where, you know, if the people surrounding you on your wedding day should be people who are going to surround you the rest of your life. They should be the people who are going to lift you up in those hard times or heaven forbid something negative happen in your relationship that they're going to hold you through that as well. You're not going to have 170 people standing beside you through the bad days. No, no way. You're not going to call all of them. <laughs> no. So that's another you know thing that I always encourage my couples. If I get if I get an inquiry for something a bit larger and I'm not available for it, or if I get you know I have a podcast about eloping, and so if I get emails from people asking like what do I do? Like I this isn't an option for me. Like what what can I do? And I'm like evaluate your guest list. Think about these people like. One, would they die for you? <laughs> like, who's going first in the apocalypse? Yeah. And and are they going to stand by you? Are they going to hold you to the commitment you made? Or that's a big one. Yeah. Pick you up when the other person doesn't. You know, like, and I hate to put that like bad juju out there, but the reality is, like, the people who are there should be people who are actually going to be there day in and day out. And that was yeah. with us. We had thirteen family members, and those thirteen family members, those are our ride or dies. Those are the people that no matter what they're going to pick us up and hold us to the commitment we made to each other on that mountaintop at 7 a.m. on August 11th. (laughs) Like, that's the reality is that we wanted people who were going to keep us on track. And so that's one other way that you can kind of cut back a little bit and be a little bit more eco-friendly in your wedding is just by making sure that the people who you invite are people who you really want to be around. Here are some quick wedding stats published by Trip Savvy as updated on May 21st of this year. Average cost, $35,329. Average number of guests, 136. The average amount each guest spends to attend, $736. And the average bridal gown costs an astonishing $1,546. Now, maybe I'm a little biased here. I have had a wedding and, well, an unwedding, if you will. (laughs) But the wedding was very small. And the entire thing didn't cost even as much as the average bridal gown apparently costs. Which, it turns out, was probably a pretty good thing. (laughs) Lost expenses. Anyways, (laughs) the next part of the conversation with Ruthann is definitely a crescendo. We've talked about elopements, about ethics and how we treat the planet. And now we turn the volume up on both. Elope for the Planet was born out of a desire to start small and out of a desire to start with reducing 600 pounds of trash by empowering one couple who wouldn't have otherwise known that they you know, could elope. And if I can start with one couple, then I can get to two. And if I can get to two, then I can get to 10. And if I can get to 10, I can get to 100. If I can get to 100, I can get to 1,000. And honestly, I'd be happy with 1,000 because that's 600,000 pounds of trash that I've saved. I love that. But 1,000 people who've been empowered to elope go and encourage another 1,000 people and empower them to elope. And so it's all about sustainability and in whatever aspect of your life is start small, start somewhere, 
share the word with somebody and keep saying things that are important to you and speaking on subjects that matter and eventually it's going to catch on. Oh, absolutely it will. Because you're going to speak with conviction and with excitement about it and passion and then you'll find other people are drawn to that either because they feel exactly the same way or they're drawn to that energy and they want to know why. Totally. And we talked about that uh, as well today. When we empower people, it's because we want you to know what this feels like. So come with us and then empower other people. Yep. And I also love that you you say you need to start with one to five to ten and so on to a thousand. And if you hit a thousand, you'll be happy. And I, I, it's great. And it's so you because a lot of people say, okay, if I hit one person, be happy. It's like, eh, that's starting small. Right. Start small and then blow it up. Make it right. big. Set oh your gosh. goal as high as you can and then see what that feels like. Yeah. Well, because, you know, like I said, you know, that, that 1,000 people turns into 138,000, which is the number of people that I've preliminarily not very well estimated <laughs> want to elope in this country. And that's just America. Like, yeah, that's just America. Good point. We're not the only developed country on this <laughs> yeah. world, you know? Yeah. So if you, but if you start there and again, you just start small and you, you, you dream big, but start small. Absolutely. And it's, sorry, I love metaphors, but it's a journey and you gotta, you gotta be part of it. And yes. you gotta go through those valleys. You gotta wade through the Creek. And sometimes it's going to be, you know, a little harder. And then you get to the top and you're like, hell yeah, I did this. And I rock. Yes. And it's so worth it. And you kind of forget the hard stuff. You know what happened. But all the good things are what really stick with you. Totally. And you want more and more of that. Well, going back to Mount Whitney, those 99 switchbacks, for those of you who haven't climbed Mount Whitney, there's this section of the trail that is just brutal. And you get, what time do you think most people get up? Like 12, midnight? Yeah, most people. Yeah. yeah. We hit the trail by like 1 a.m. It's 22 miles round trip. It's miserable if you don't like type 2 fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> and you get to this section of the trail and it's 99 switchbacks and it's literally just these like zigzags up a, up a face and it's exposed and it's uncomfortable. But I don't remember the 99 switchbacks as much as I remember standing on top of that mountain Yeah. at the very end and saying, I've climbed the tallest mountain in the lower 48. That's powerful. It's huge. That's powerful. And so you've got it like just always remember those moments. Those mountaintop moments get you through the valleys or the 99 switchbacks, whichever you choose. Because the valley was honestly the easiest part. The valley is the easiest part. <laughs> the valley, like, this is nothing. Yeah, you're like, Why do people complain about like, this? What? Totally. I had that thought too. And then like an hour later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate everybody. F this, F that. Like, do we have to do this? This was a bad idea. Everyone who goes up there with me ends up hating me because right. I'm like, I'll be like running up this. And, and you know, you, you see you know, people. Daniel's talked about and that. Yeah. And they're like, how's it going? I'm like, oh, good. Great. And they're like, oh, I hate that guy. Screw you, Cody. Yeah. Hey, that's what I would have said. There was this chick when we did it who like ran to the top and she was like down by the time we were like to the top of the 99 switchbacks. And I was like. Big old, big old F you. Like, For those of you who aren't here, which is nobody else but us, um, there was a big middle finger flying through the air. <laughs> uh, it, just was, it, was, it was one of those things where I was like, well, I'll just be happy to do it. Yes. It is such a great thing to do. And it's, it's a very powerful moment. Oh, totally. And if anybody who's listening wants to elope on top of Mount Whitney, that's like life dream. So. Oh, I've seen 
several engagements up there. Never seen an I've never seen an elopement. But not an elopement. Yeah, so uh, hit me up because I will do it with you. That's a great one. I promise not to bitch too much. (laughs) (laughs) But there will be some involved. A little bit. I mean, you know. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you knew this was coming. Um, but this is where I think it's a great spot to pass it over to you. Yeah. Um, any story, anecdote, metaphor, anything you want to share with the world. Yeah. It's all yours. Your parting words. Oh man. Gosh. Um, I think I, we've, again, we've talked a lot about empowerment today and, the the thing more than any of this is that if you're listening and you're trying to figure out what to what direction to take your life and where to where to take your career and how to turn something that you're passionate about into your income or how to mesh something that you're passionate about with something that is necessary to make the two work and the best of both worlds happen because that's just how how your life is set up right now the biggest piece of advice and encouragement I could give you is to just be passionate and follow that passion. That passion is something that if it oozes from you, like keep on it, keep on it. Because I was telling Cody this morning, I never in a million years, if you had asked me five years ago what I would be doing on this day, I wouldn't have told you I would be married. I wouldn't have told you that I would be an intimate wedding photographer. I wouldn't have told you that I would be trying to educate the world about the waste that weddings produce. Like I wouldn't have been able to say that that's what I would have been heading towards. But the reason I got here is because my passion is people and my passion is empowerment. And we were talking about the Enneagram and I'm going to like plug this right now because I'm so about it. If you like self-awareness and self-discovery is like the biggest piece of success that I think is necessary to getting to where you want to be and who you want to become. And so if you're trying to figure out what that looks like for you, learn who you are, figure out what makes you tick, the things that you need to avoid, the the things that set you off, the things that light your fire, like figure that stuff out and run with it and embrace it. Like my whole life, once you get into the Enneagram, you will know a little bit about this. Eights are a, like this ridiculous force and we have this terrible bad rap where most Enneagram experts talk about eights as like, oh, eights, like there's just so much. And my whole life I've been too much and I, I, I never understood why people didn't get me. Like it was just this like, like I, everything all at once. And then I learned about myself and I was able to step away and self-evaluate and learn about my tendencies and my habits and the way that I can, you know, the way that my personality can like rub people the wrong way and the ways that I can, you know, invite people into a more comfortable space with me. Once I started tapping into that, everything fell into place and I figured out that I love people and I love empowerment and I love justice and I love getting to pass those on to people. And so I, I saw a need in something that I didn't even know existed and took those things and made it happen. And so don't be afraid to look in places that you don't really anticipate because that's sometimes where the most beautiful things come from is this place of, I didn't know this was there. I didn't know that intimate weddings and elopements could be what they are until two and a half years ago. And now here I am and this is my career for now. And I am... I've never been in a place so good. I've never been in a place that's spoken so much to my soul. Um, so 
really, that's all I would say is to figure out who you are. And not that you'll ever know entirely, but go on a path of self-discovery, become self-aware, and find what is your passion. And take that, even if it's little by little, that one to two, two to four, four to eight, turn it into something that you can change the world with. Because I do believe that every single one of us has the power to change the world. We just have to come together and do it. So... I'm giving you a high five for that. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Wow. Thank you so much, Cody, for having me. Thank you. No, Ruth Ann, thank you. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Cody drove up to Tahoe from San Diego in his van, which he got stuck in my driveway. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not still stuck. It's not still stuck. And for those of you who are like, wow, way to throw him under the bus, my driveway is miserable. It is miserable. It's miserable. And And you're not even here in the winter. (laughs) Okay, no, that threw me under the bus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, it could have been, like, you were lucky. You got out alive. I was alive. very lucky. I was lucky that giant rocks jammed yep. behind my wheel. Totally. Dude, my uh, husband backed his truck off of the driveway this winter, at the beginning oh of the winter. God. So you're not... Cody, you were, you were golden. You were doing great. Thank you. And I need people to understand, it's not like a flat driveway. This thing is <laughs> steep, and there is like a little cliff at the side of it. <laughs> it's a 14-degree angle, and legally in Tahoe, you can have a 16-degree angle. That is so specific. Our, <laughs> the only reason I'm I know that. I'm not surprised you know that. But. Only reason I know that is because our plow service wouldn't plow this winter. Danielle was mentioning that. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, we paid for it, and they wouldn't plow our driveway. So it is a steep driveway. Thank you. But seriously, thank you for coming up and taking the time to come and hear whatever pieces of quasi-wisdom I might have to share. <laughs> I love No, no, thank you for letting me tag along on the day, and thank you for doing what you do and being Thanks. part of this world. Thank you. Right back at you. Thank you. <laughs> Ruth Ann, thank you so much for spending the day in your beautiful hometown. Thank you for the insight, the laughs, and for taking the time to chat on the podcast. The Wilder Mind podcast is hosted and produced by yours truly. The theme music was written and performed by Alexis Tia. Check her out at alexistia.com. And remember, my friends, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, spread the word about the Wilder Mind podcast and to your wildest self, be true. So we'll follow